Good morning, church. I'm going to ask you, it's a great joy to open up to the book of the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs. If you're not sure it is in the Bible, it's good to practice it's in the wisdom literature. So it would be Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. And what a wonderful uh, book this is. It's, it's about an illustration. It's a picture uh, between a, a husband and a wife, but it's more than that. It speaks into God's divine love for us. And it's interesting, Mark should have an announcement about the warped view of what the world sees as love. But when you come to God's view of love, it is just the most wonderful thing. So I'm going to ask us to read from verse 1 to 4 this morning of chapter 1 of the Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, as you hear me call it. And let's read together. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And this is the lady talking to her husband. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you were a bit uh, shocked at uh, what the next book of, uh, we're dealing with as a church. Because so maybe you've heard a few things about the Song of Songs. But I just want to push pause and to talk about why we feel that this is the right book after the Gospel of Mark. Remember, we spent 35 weeks talking about Jesus, listening to his words, getting to see how he, he was in his personality, what he felt about things. But this is the important point of why we're continuing in the Song of Songs this morning. Do you know it's possible to study someone and not know them personally? That's our risk or danger after doing the, the Gospel of Mark, is you've heard so much about this person, Jesus. You've studied him. You've read about him, but you don't actually know him personally in your life. And it struck home as I was listening uh, on the death of Margaret Thatcher. John Major was a former British prime minister who was in her cabinet, was asked about what she was like. And he said, you know, you get different kinds of Margaret Thatchers. You get Margaret Thatcher of the legends, this awesome leader and almost of, of fable and myth. But then when you actually knew her around the cabinet table, she was very different to how she was portrayed by legend and fable. And it's the same for Jesus. You can have such an understanding of what he did, but it's the Jesus of legend. It's not Jesus, the close companion. And we're going to go deeper as a church into the one that we are called to love and to experience a wonderful friendship and relationship with. And I'm hoping that for some of us here, it's going to be a, a rekindling of what it was like the first time you met Jesus and the awe of what it was like to live with him in your life. But perhaps there's someone here this morning that you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus. And the Song of Songs is powerful because it helps us understand what it's really like to be born again, to be saved, to be a Christian. What's at the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so, friends, this Song of Songs is for anybody who wants to grow in their relationship with Jesus. It will help you. It's not the first book you read in the Bible. But friends, I'm so grateful it's in the Bible today. And I want to look at my first point being why the Song of Songs. My point is the importance of the Song of Songs as a church. And then I'm just going to land 
with a very brief comment on the end of drawing close to Jesus. But friends, my first point, why the Song of Songs? Well, you need to know why you are here on this earth. And we're calling this series Created for Closeness because God made you to be close to Him. If you remember in the Garden of Eden, it's in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall, in, in, in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 3, the thing that God is doing is He's moving towards Adam and Eve, and He says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. What happened at the fall was there was a break in what they were designed for, which was to be close to God. God comes to Adam and Eve with his presence. He wants to be near to them in the cool of the day. When you're in the cool of the day, it's, it's when you're resting. No time for work. It's to enjoy fellowship. It's to enjoy talking. It's enjoy, to enjoy closeness, companionship. And God is moving towards them. But the way that we, sin, we see sin working is there is a break in this fellowship between this God of the Bible and his creation humankind. And it struck me when Joe was preaching on Good Friday is that Jesus on the cross bears the consequence of the sin when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time Jesus ever calls the Father God. Did you notice that? And it is him bearing the shock on the cross of having broken fellowship with his Father, the very for eternity. It's a mystery. I can't explain it, but the Bible says it. All throughout Jesus' earthly existence and before he enjoyed perfect fellowship with the Father. But on the cross, something shocked Jesus. It, it was the moment when the Father turned his face and poured out the consequence of sin upon Jesus, which was to forsake him, which was to break fellowship with him. And it shocked the Son of God. And friends, that's the consequence of sin in your life, is it has broken something in terms of your ability to draw close to God and his ability to draw close to you. And this is the beauty of what we see in the Song of Songs. We see an expression of how God wants to move towards us closely and how he sets it up in salvation for us to enjoy. Now, I want us to slow down for a moment. And I want us to have great encouragement this morning to draw close to Jesus. When you were born again, the moment you came to faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were called a new creation. And the profoundness of that is something's happened full circle. When he designed the human race, he created this human race for fellowship. And when the human race fell into sin, it led to broken fellowship. But the Christian is born again and becomes a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, I think it is. Yes. And do you notice, right from the very start, God is telling you he wants you. In preparing for the Sunday, it was a wonderful reminder that God could have given us a functional position in his kingdom. He could have said, right, I want you, but I want you as a slave. He could have said, right, I want you as a servant. No, no. What does he do? Through the cross of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again into his household as a son 
and daughter of the living God. Isn't that incredible? And what good is a, a father of perfect love not to be close to his kids? What good is a father who creates children merely to use them for his purpose? No, friends, the essence of the father heart manifest perfectly in God is that he doesn't want us as a functional relationship where we do stuff for him. You slave, you servant. No, no, he calls you son. He calls you daughter. And he pours out his spirit of adoption into you the very first moment that you are born again. In other words, the very witness of God's work in your life is that you are His, and He's not willing to live far away from you. He wants you. He wants fellowship and friendship with you as a father, as a son. And more than that, it's the most wonderful thing, is He gives us Jesus. And the way He describes this beautiful gift of the Son of God to us is not some sort of loan or debt or wage to be paid. Do you know how He gives Him to you? He gives Him to you as your husband. The church is the bride, this covenant relationship of closeness, which is an invitation, friends, right from the very start of us seeing our position in Christ to come close to this God of heaven. He has so set you up in your salvation to enjoy him. Isn't that wonderful? Can I say to you, it's very important this morning that you realize that you are more than what you can merely do for Jesus. Paul put it like this. He says, don't you know, in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, it says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Friends, God's got a lot of angels to get done what he needs to get done. Now, work is a part of the, the Christian experience. God has predetermined good works for us to do, but that is not the foundation of why he saved you. In actual fact, he doesn't need your hands to get his work done. The reason why he saved you is because he wants you. You are not what you can do for God. You are what he wants and he paid for it with his own son. Friends, when you gaze at Jesus, as I hope this book is going to help us do, you see how much God loves you. I have to stop myself and think about this God the Father who feels, and the Son of God who feels. And I think to myself, would I give up my Elijah for you? No ways. And I'm not saying we understand it, but friends, we are to feel it this morning, that you are as valuable to the Father as his own son. And you are so loved by Jesus, not because of what you can do for him. By the way, how's that record going, right? But you are so valuable to Jesus this morning that he willingly said yes to the request of the Father to die for you. And Jesus wants us to enjoy this love. It is the secret to spiritual security and strength in the Christian life. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 9, as the, just listen to this. 
as the Father has loved me. Just take that for a moment. Did, did the Father love Jesus? Was it perfect love? Was it divine love? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And what does he say? Now abide in my love. And friends, the Song of Songs wants to teach us that we must so believe the love of Christ for us that we feel it in our hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Is this book is about experience. This book is about experiencing love, love received, and love given. And friends, I want to say to you this morning in Jesus, you have been set up in the Spirit to experience this love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts, not, not our minds. This is not just merely understanding that God's love. I mean, this is something that we experience in our hearts, in the seat of our affections and will and desires. There's a satisfaction through the Spirit that has been poured out to us when, oh, who has been given to us? On the day of our new birth, the Spirit started to minister God's love to us. We need divine help to experience it through the Spirit, and we need divine help to cope with it. If you are reading the Robert Murray McShane plan, I'm telling you, it's been such an encouragement in preparing because it seems like every week something comes through. But yesterday was Ephesians 3. Do you know what Ephesians 3 says? When Paul says the most beautiful words, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. It is so profound, this love of God for us. We need literally spiritual strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Friends, what Song of Songs is going to introduce to us in a moment is that this love, it is so wonderful, it is so divine that the human mind can't comprehend it. Oh, but the heart can feel it. And the ministry of the Spirit in your life is to draw you into the one who loves you. Now, I want to explain in just a moment how wonderful this love is. And we're going to see that it is pictured in marriage between a newly, newlywed couple, a husband and a wife, but I want to say it's an imperfect image this morning because God's love for you in Christ is so profound, it cannot even be contained in the picture of marriage. Do you know that God loved you the very first time he thought of you in his mind? It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. This is what it says. In love, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself. Isn't that powerful? To himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Friends, your, this love of God hasn't been a momentary decision. Before the foundation of the world, he had you on his mind. And the patience of this love to create this world 
to create your great ancestors in Adam and Eve and through all of history to oversee circumstance and time and overrule decisions so that everything, the bloodlines, all the things came together in your mommy and daddy. And the moment of your birth was a moment when God celebrated the fact that what he in love created in his mind, he brought into being. And the greatest day was the moment when he said to Jesus, you can summon them to me. And you got born again. And the second you became a son and daughter of God, it was a party in heaven. It tells us because this divine eternal love, I'm not saying you can understand it, but friends, Song of Songs is you can believe it and enjoy it and experience it, is this love of God has been eternal towards you. Now, as I say that, I recognize that there's some things that come up in your heart and say, can this be? If that's you, you're starting to get it. Because, friends, there is nothing clinical about this love of God for you this morning. It is represented in a divine, eternal desire that was accomplished through great feats of history and the offering up of His Son that this morning you can call Him Father. And I want to talk a little bit about this, the importance of the Song of Songs to us because this is very, for us as a church, this is where I feel the Lord wants us to go. My second point is the importance of the Song of Songs. It's opening verses, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. I want to make some very important overall statements to prepare your heart for this series. The first is this, that the reason why Song of Songs is so important is it warns us against a merely intellectual approach towards our faith. Now, what do I mean by that this morning? This expression of divine love comes to us as a song. Isn't that interesting? I sat there going, wow. God is so wise. He is saying something to us in that statement alone. I want to ask you, the question this morning, have you ever been moved by a maths equation? Okay, maybe because you don't understand it, you're going to fail the test, right? I mean, I, I've, I've cried a few tests. Have you ever looked at an equation and said, that's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Maybe when you got your marks back, you wept. But when you start to look at a maths equation or some great lecture, anybody been moved by a lecture? Oh, my goodness, some teachers had the gift of killing any passion for a subject, right? But when you talk about music, you're talking about being moved. And when you look at poetry, uh, one commentator is brilliant. He says, this, I mean, he, see, he knows the Hebrew. I don't. And we lose quite a bit in the translation. No, not the spiritual significance. But he says it is one of the most beautiful poems. And the words are designed. Church, hear me this morning. Please. To not just engage the mind, it is to move the hearts. And these words that come to us with such beauty, and it was to be sung. And we are to be caught up, not merely in our minds, but in our hearts in responding to this incredible picture of divine love. It's a song. It's a love song. It's poetry that moves our hearts towards Christ. And friends, when you get to its language, it sounds funny. You'll get, you'll, you'll get to see this. It's rather odd. 
Because what it is trying to do in best ancient Eastern language is use the most beautiful things of creation, the most precious things of creation, the most rich smelling and pleasurable things of creation to try and express this feeling of this one person for another. And it goes to extravagant means to express it. It talks about dripping myrrh, cassia, cinnamon, alabaster, Precious stones. It talks about does and stags and lilies and roses. It, it talks about these wonderful pictures of, of beauty that stir the senses and move our hearts towards the wonder of what this love is like. Every aspect of this book is trying to move the human heart. It can't cope with it. It feels extravagant and rightly so because it's trying to express at the edge of human language and reason through senses and experience this wonderful love. Friends, the Song of Songs is designed to move you. And in this book, you will read it. Not once does it talk about any teaching. It's got teaching behind it, but not once. Praise the Lord, did this, this ever go, let me explain to you the physics of gravity and the wonderful experience of what it means to inhale certain percentages of oxygen. What he's interested in is this person, his wife, and what she's interested in is this person. And they don't talk about any kind of scientific abstract thoughts. That's not what they're interested in. They're interested in being together. And friends, it is proof. Please hear me this morning. We live in an age, it is a great blessing of the gospel, where we see science and all of these things evolve. But friends, it's not the end of the gospel. Is this morning, I want to say to you, you are more than a robot before God. Please hear me. If we are going to engage with this joyful love of knowing Jesus and reciprocate this love to this amazing God who has bled and died for us, friends, we are going to see that we must engage more than our minds. We must engage our hearts if we're really going to respond to Him in the fullness that He desires. You are more than your mind, you are more than a machine. You are designed to receive and be moved by this love of God for you and to respond. Isn't it amazing how love demands a response? Have you ever had the experience or the pain of somebody saying to you, I love you, and there's nothing in reply? Ever had that? Suddenly start talking about the weather. Suddenly they thought, I'm so grateful when I said I love you to Marina for the first time. She said it back. <laughs> and this is what it's like, is this love of God. It is a little bit strange, and I, and I want you to feel at ease. After, it takes a few weeks to get our heads around what this wonderful thing is. But it's true. It demands a response from our hearts. And I want to remind you this morning, church, please, this is where I feel we must be cautioned that a right understanding of Jesus does not necessarily mean a close relationship to him. All right? Just because you understand doctrinally a correct view of Jesus does not mean you live close to him. There's a difference. And Song of Songs wants us to have such a confidence in the love of Christ for us 
that come what may as a church, no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience, no matter what you feel in your circumstance or about yourself, Song of Songs wants to teach us that we must never, ever doubt that Jesus loves us and to the point of that we feel it all the time, that we believe, that we believe, not just in our heads but our hearts, He loves us. He loves us. That's the first thing is, is the Song of Songs. Why is it important? is that it stops us from being merely intellectual about our faith. The, the second thing that's why Song of Songs is so important is it challenges legalism in the Christian. And this is where I tell you I'm so excited for it to go. When you read these eight chapters in this book, you'll notice not only has it got nothing to do with abstract teaching, he also says nothing and she says nothing about work. What a relief, can I say to you this morning, right? Song of Songs is not going to put any extra pressure on what you should be doing for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What it's going to do is it's going to teach you that you are not relating to this God because of what you can do for Him. He is relating to you because of what you mean to Him. There's a vast difference. And I want to ask you a searching question this morning. If you had to take away what you do for Jesus, what is left between you and Him? That's where Song of Songs wants to go. I'll ask you the question. If you take away what you do for Jesus, what is left between you and Him? This book is going to teach us the third point that I want to say under this importance of Jesus is the absolute security of this wife in the love of her husband. You see that he is not asking her to do anything for him. Rather, he is asking her to enjoy him and to reciprocate that enjoyment. And the only thing he ever talks about in terms of her needing to do anything, is, is to get rid of what he calls little foxes. Anything that disturbs fellowship with Jesus is he wants us to get rid of. And, and I want to in, invite you, it's the first week, and, and I'm praying the Lord is going to seep this into our hearts. But friends, when you start to realize the security that you have in Jesus' love for you, you start to realize you're not impressing him by your works. In actual fact, what you consider in your works is getting rid of anything that comes in the way of your closeness to Him. Can I say, uh, Marina, she was a very wise girl. She still is. But when I decided that this was the girl I wanted to marry, I had to do quite a bit of impressing. Do you remember those days, gents? My goodness. I never wined and dined. I'm so sorry. It's changed my love. I took her to art gallery. Well, there was only really art, art galleries. I put my best foot forward because I wasn't sure of her love for me. And that's what we can be like as Christians. Is we play to impress because we're not sure if we're secure yet in the one that we really want their love from. And today, friends, Song of Songs wants to tell you, before you did anything, you are loved. And when she said to me, I do, on my wedding day, something settled in my heart. I felt secure. And for the first time, I felt like 
She loved me just for who I was. And our relationship grew. I didn't take advantage of her. In the end, I became, I am more fascinated with Marina than I was the day I met her. I'm more in love with her today. I admire her more than anybody in this room because the more I've gotten to know her because of this open sharing of vulnerability and safety and security, she's the greatest person I know on planet Earth. I love her more than anybody else because of this enjoyment of moving into a space away from impressing to security and friends. The Song of Songs wants to give you this kind of gift. It's wonderful. And I want to remind you there are two ways, and this is what I'm worried about. I, I, I want us to be so clear about as a church and enjoying. Friends, there are two ways you can relate to Jesus. The first is fear. And fear can get you to do a lot of things for him. But the problem with fear and being motivated to have to do things for him through fear is the essence of it is you can do a lot for him, but you won't be able to feel very close to him. Because that fear is a fear of punishment. Legalism is a fear of Christ. If I don't get it right, he is going to withhold his love from me. And it's terrible because legalism, that it can never, ever get close to Jesus because the essence of legalism is fundamentally you feel insecure in his love. So you play to impress, and the way you impress is you try and put your best foot forward because you worry he's going to punish you if you don't. And the punishment is he's going to withhold his love. And the way that, what that creates in the Christian life is this you this morning, I can see it in me, you are guilty very easily before Jesus. You are so worried if you haven't quite got it right whether or not you can really enjoy him. You're so concerned about whether or not you are in the right space of mind and, and conscience before you can come with a boldness and confidence before him. Friends, what Song of Songs is inviting is drop that way of thinking because the kind of love that Song of Songs wants you to be baptized in and changed by is what 1 John 4:18 says. He says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I ask you, are you yet? The invitation of Song of Songs is to feel so secure that you are not motivated by fear towards Jesus. You are motivated by the security of his love for you. And you say, well, how could that motivate? If I've got it already, what would that make me want to do for him? Friends, let me tell you, I value closeness with Marina more than anything else in my life besides Jesus. I don't want anything to come between my relationship with her. And when, like Song of Songs says, you are delighting in the closeness of your security in Christ, what's on your mind is how can you get closer to him? And what's on your mind is anything that damages that relationship. And that's what sin is. Sin is a breaking of close fellowship. It leads to distance. It leads to things that start to come in like those little foxes we'll learn in, 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 the, in the following chapters. But friends, when you start to value how close you can be to Jesus, you hate sin. And that's powerful because, friends, love for Christ motivates you to a much higher level of holiness than what fear does. Fear makes you fixate on yourself 
Security in Jesus makes you draw close to him and find everything you need in him. The two are vastly different. And I want to ask you today, the one you choose, what will you choose? Because the one you do, which Song of Solomon wants to push you towards 1 John 3, 4, 1 John 4. is to be motivated by love. So the Song of Songs stops us from a mere intellectualism. I want to ask you, is that you today? And would you be open to engaging what God really wants, which is your heart? The importance of the Song of Songs is that it challenges legalism. And the third is, it is a radical invitation to feel secure in the love of Jesus and to live like it. And some of you might be saying, well, isn't this just a book about marriage? I mean, that's how it was sold to me at, at seminary. Isn't this just a book about two people that are enjoying uh, covenant love in marriage? Well, friends, I want to remind you that um, the Bible tells us itself it's more than that. And I can give you many reasons. This is a collection of Solomon. It's a, a, about six poems. And he might have written them or he might have drawn them together as wisdom literature. It was edited later in, in when the Persians were ruling over, Jerusalem, uh, over Israel. But what we have here is the Bible itself tells you this is more than just a mere husband and wife experience, a carnal experience. Do you know that it is wonderful. In the ancient East, love poems were used to teach spiritual principles. You read in Egypt, Samaria, even in South Tamil-speaking India, you will have these kinds of poems, these beautiful poems describing love to explain relationships with the gods. And, and, and Solomon was interested in wisdom. And it would be silly for us to just see this in terms of its ancient historical context as just a bland, carnal experience between a husband and wife. And when the Jews spoke about the Song of Solomon, they spoke about the Holy of Holies in Revelation. They realized that when they read this, there was something special about how God was portraying, which he did in the Old Testament, if you read the book of Hosea. Beautiful book, heart-rending book, about how God is relating to his people as their husband. And, he, and, and we see the New Testament talking about our relationship as the church to Christ. He, this, this, this new covenant dignifies the Song of Solomon, even in its own interpretation and words, as an example of how close Christ wants to come to us and how close he wants us to come to him. And it's, in this book, it is, you can't miss it. This king is both a shepherd and a king. I mean, who else in the history was ever a shepherd and a king at the same time? It wasn't Solomon. He didn't ever look after sheep in his life. It is this wonderful picture of Christ's humility and glory coming to the church to be enjoyed by Christians. And, and how can the Song of Songs, which means the greatest song of all, not be about Jesus? How can this greatest song on love, in the words of, of Scripture itself, not be about this glorious Son of God pouring out His eternal love upon an undeserving church? And how can the Song of Songs not be in what Jesus included on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verse 27? He says, He told, he told these disciples, interpreting them, uh, in all the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. Song of Songs, friends, is part of all the Scriptures. It's beautiful, it's wonderful that Jesus could look into the Song of Solomon and see his love for the church. But I also want to say this, it's very important. It's a spiritual principle I want to hopefully enforce in your life. There is not a single part of this book that is reserved for merely a subsection of the church. 
If this was a book merely about marriage, it was useless to Jesus, who was single, by the way. We use this to Paul, who was single. The greatest saints who've expounded this book were monks. Friends, they didn't need physical intimacy to be able to interpret its spiritual truths. Friends, this book is a gift to us today because it explains the heart of God for his people. And we are to enjoy it and receive it. You'll learn a lot about marriage because God points to marriage as his love for us. But friends, you'll also learn a lot about marriage by looking at his love for you. The two go round and round. And it says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the saints of old, and I, 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 we're probably going to touch the surface, but hopefully it's, it's deep enough to move us forward. The greatest saints of old love this book. Spurgeon, McShane, John Owen, Jonathan Edwards, Madame Guyon, these guys, as they read this wonderful book, felt it legitimized what they felt towards Christ by the Spirit, and it legitimized what they felt from Jesus through the Spirit. This book was giving them a gift for language that they felt in their heart, and they loved it. They loved it. They loved the way it gave them permission to enjoy what they felt by the Spirit and to enjoy what they could reciprocate through the Spirit. Friends, this book is a glorious gift to the church, and it will be a gift to you if you want it. And where I land today, my third point of getting close to Jesus is a simple statement. Do you want it? Verse 4 of chapter 1 says, draw me after you. Her expression and desire. She might have had a few kisses already. She might have had some experiences of this king, but they're not enough. She wants more. She says, draw me after you. Let us run. Be hurry, hurry about it, my, my shepherd king. Don't, don't walk. Don't take too long. I want to be close to you. She's expressing this desire for the one who's loved her with such an extravagant love. And where we want to start a song of songs, is that you this morning, friends? I don't want you to know about Jesus. The Bible doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to love him. The Bible calls you to enjoy this love and to receive it with such a confidence and to express it back with such a security and confidence. This is the heart of what Christ bled and died for for you. He wants you. Do you want him this morning? Because when she says, the king has brought me into his chambers, it is a certain promise that as we say, draw me after you, Jesus. Draw me after you. Come and run to me. I want to run to you this morning. He says, oh, look what happened. The king has brought me into his chambers. And the chambers are, are, are a place of great favor. If, like Esther, if you went into the king's personal chambers, it wasn't necessarily sexual. It was this, this privilege of being brought into the council, into the closeness of the king of kings. Do you want that this morning, friends? That's why you're alive. That's why you're here. That's why you have been given Christ, is to enjoy what it means to be close to this God who saved you. And as you do wonders of wonders, he will show you this wonderful and mighty salvation. I don't have words to express what my heart feels towards him this morning and what I believe he desires you to feel for him. But it starts by desire. Will you say to him, Jesus, I want you. This book is a book of prayer. You'll see next week it's a book of conversation. These people are talking a lot. What are you saying to Jesus? He's not interested in what you're doing right now. He wants you. I want you to come and enjoy and say, Jesus, in my prayer life, you can say it throughout the day. You might say, I don't have a lot of time to pray. Well, welcome to the one who never leaves you. 
welcome to this, this, this Jesus that enjoys life with you and thoughts with you. He knows every aspect about you already. You can invite him with safety into your life because he never leaves you. You never have to be in a hurry. You never have to feel threatened by your lack of time or how much work you've got to do or how much you're stressed. Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you. You can talk to him throughout the day. And the one thing the Song of Songs wants you to be saying to him more than anything else is, Jesus, I want you. Draw me after you. Let us run. Let us grow in what it means to enjoy close fellowship. Friends, it is the only way fruitfulness comes into your life, according to John 15, and it is the only way you have the joy of the Lord that promises to be your strength. It will make you do surprising things for Him, and it will lead you into spaces that you can't believe He's done for you. That's the song of songs for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we come before you as your bride. And I pray, Lord, that as we come and enjoy this permission of this book to love you, we would be surprised by an experience of how much you love us. Lord, I'm in the company of many faithful men and women. But I do pray for us as a church, we would grow in what it means to be full of your love. To become a church that revels in the joy of what it means to be yours. By your choice. By your wonderful, mysterious decision before the foundation of the world to love us with your own son. Lord, we can't cope with this in our minds, but we can by your Spirit. And I pray that, Lord, in the weeks ahead, we would pray for one another. Lord, that we would be praying like Paul did in Ephesians 3, that for this reason I kneel before the Father, that we might have strength together with all the saints to come to know how high and how wide and how deep this love of Christ is that surpasses knowledge. Search us, Lord. Draw us in. Help us see you in a new way and might desire be kindled in our hearts for you, Jesus, like never before. We love you this morning, Lord. And if there's anybody here, you say, I don't know if I really have this in my heart towards Jesus. You need to start by coming to him, not by impressing him, not by trying to present someone that you're not really what you know to be in your heart, is you come as you are to this Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't know if I really know you, but today I want to. Would you save me? Would you come and draw me into your kingdom? Would you forgive that sin that broke my fellowship with you? Would you put it right through the cross and would you draw me in? That's where you start with Jesus this morning. That's how you start to know you're born again and saved, is by what you feel towards him when you hear his name. Lord, bless your church this morning, we pray. Expand your kingdom in our hearts and in our lives, we ask.